My name is Austin Kelly. I'm 22 years old. I'm from Paris, Texas. Me and my brother own a trucking company together, and I just moved to Charleston last summer. I remember I was six years old, and there was a church right down the street from my house, and they were having a vacation Bible school. So I walked down there, and I was playing all the games, and then I listened to the message. And at the end of the message, I went up for salvation prayer. And really from that point on, I've always had a relationship with God. But during my teenage years and my high school years, there was definitely a pull to stray away from God and my relationship with Him and, and follow my friends in the road that they were going down. But I'd really seen too many of them ruin their lives and even lose their lives. So it just pushed me closer to God and my relationship with Him. So really from that point on, I've always had a relationship with God and I've always went to church. But because of that reason, people expected me not to make any mistakes and to kind of be perfect. So it made me very performance-based that if I do good, I get good. But my relationship with God wasn't like that. It was full of love and acceptance. God saved me from a life of mediocrity, of status quo, of performance, for a life full of adventure, love, and acceptance. Let's give a hand for my brother, Robert Austin Kelly. Uh, man, I love Austin. He's a, a, such a good friend of mine. I really think of him as a brother. If you guys need a friend, you guys need to hang out with Austin because uh, he'll speak into your life. He'll be a really solid example for you, a good leader for you to follow. I'm excited about ending this series, Your Story. You guys have seen four weeks of people on video sharing their story with you, and hopefully you've been thinking about your story. I know that we've had some table talk at the end of our services, and you've been talking about your story and where you want your story to go from here, and I love it because God has such incredible things in store for us. In fact, the Bible says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard the things which God has prepared for those who have loved him. So it's unseen. It's, it's unheard of. It's, it's so deep. It's so powerful. Nobody knows it, but the word says that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God, and he reveals these things to us. And so the Holy Spirit who searches the deep things of God, he reveals to us those things that no other eye has seen, no other ear has heard. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us, and he will show you the story that he wants you to live. I just want to talk about um, Austin's story for a second. One of the things that he said is, God saved me from a life of mediocrity, status quo, and performance for a life of adventure, love, and acceptance. That's his story, but that's our story too, isn't it? Uh, God hasn't called us to mediocrity. God hasn't called us to ordinary. God has called us to extraordinary. God hasn't called us to, to live a, a meaningless, impactless life. God has called us to get in the game, off of the sidelines, off of the bench, and into the game and make some noise and make a difference. To get in there, to stir things up, and to leave the world better than what we found it. And so let's, I just want to talk about those, those three things that he mentions for a second. Um, he talked about adventure, love, and acceptance. Let's start with acceptance. Um, God accepts you. God accepts you. If you've been wrestling with, does God accept you? I just want you to, to hear 
from the Lord tonight, and there, there's so much scripture that you can get in. I mean, it's even as simple as John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you, he gave his one and only son. You know, when the disciples, um, Jesus sent out the disciples to go out and do ministry. And this was a pretty cool opportunity for them because Jesus was the one usually doing ministry. But he sends them out and he says, this is going to be your turn to go out and to preach the gospel. And I want you to raise the dead. I mean, that's setting the bar pretty high, right? Heal the sick. Preach the gospel. Go out and cast out demons. So the disciples do as they're told. They go out and they do these things. And they come back to Jesus and they're just, they're beaming because they got to be used by God. You know, I've seen this so many times because I've had the privilege of taking teenagers on mission trips, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love to see a teenager, even, even a ninth grader, a ninth grader who might just be this punk kid, this sarcastic, argumentative, overconfident, arrogant punk. But when you get him outside of his environment, and you get them on a plane, and you take them, you know, anywhere, and you, and you give them an opportunity to be used by God, it's the most incredible thing. They come alive. Somebody once said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And I've, I've, I've even been on trips where we, we took middle schoolers, and so sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, and they, they get to be used by God. I've seen these little kids that were just timid, scared, uh, didn't even want to look you in the eye, didn't want to talk to you. And I've just seen them come alive, getting to preach the gospel to people, getting to pray for the sick, getting to serve, and they're just beaming. And this is what the disciples were like when they come back to Jesus. They're just beaming. They're fully alive because they were used by God. That's the same thing that happens to us. We, we come alive fully when we're used by God. And if we're not being used by God, we don't know what we're missing. We, we're totally missing it. We're totally missing the point of life if we're not being used by God. So these disciples, they come back and they said, Jesus, even the demons obeyed us. When we told them to get out, they got out. And Jesus, he's like, yeah, I told you this could happen. But he says, I want you to remember this. Don't rejoice that the demons obey you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love that because there's, there's great power that God gives us. He gives us his power when we go out and when we're used by him. He'll give you his power. But he's like, it's not, it's not just about this. Just remember who you really are. Remember that your names are written in heaven. Remember that I accept you. He's trying to tell them this is the main thing. Don't get too caught up in power. Don't get too caught up in, in being used by me because, remember, it's me doing the work. It's God doing the work. But he's saying, just remember your names are written in heaven. If you don't forget that, you'll never get off track. So God accepts us. God loves us. I'm not going to talk about this too much because you guys know this, but if you just needed to hear that today, I will be the one to tell you, God loves you. And sometimes we feel like God loves everybody else but us. When we hear John 3, 16, it's like God loves the world, but I have messed up so much lately. And I have just been so stupid lately and so selfish. God loves you, and God accepts you. It's not just everybody else. It's you. 
Jesus died for you along with everybody else. And Austin said he's, God's rescued him from a life of mediocrity, status quo, and performance for a life of adventure. And Austin is an adventurous dude because we, he and I have gotten to do some pretty cool adventures together, and he's gotten to do a lot without me too. But God has called us to a life of adventure. There is no more adventurous life than the life fully surrendered to Jesus. And a lot of times we look to the world that the world is going to provide us more adventure. That's not true. Like the world is going to provide us more entertainment. It's not going to happen. The world is going to provide more laughs. The world can't provide the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord doesn't even care what kind of circumstances you're going through. It's just this inner joy that can't be taken away by circumstance. And so his love, his acceptance, and his adventure, God has an adventurous plan for you. Uh, I want to I look at this story from Genesis chapter 11. And in Genesis chapter 11, we're going to look at the kind of the, uh, the precursor to the story of Abraham when he was called Abram. Does anybody remember what Abram's father's name was? It's not a lot written about him. We don't know that much about him. We don't really know that much about where Abram came from. And so I just want to read this story to you because it's very interesting. Um, We're going to put it up on the screen there. Genesis 11, verse 27, 28. Now these are the generations of Terah. That's Abram's father. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. I want you to remember that name, Haran. One of, uh, one of Terah's sons, Abram's brother. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now let's skip ahead a couple of verses. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. So you guys remember, if, you, if you've read the book of Genesis, you've heard about the land of Canaan a lot. It's the promised land. It's the land that God said, Abram, I'm going to take you out of your land, and I'm going to take you into the land of Canaan. It's a beautiful, gorgeous land. But before this ever happened with Abraham, before we ever get into that story, it looks like, Terah, Abram's father, he was going to go do this. He, was, he had this idea first. He was actually going to leave the land of Ur to go to the land of Canaan. It says, but when they came to Haran, which is a town, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So, He's leaving Ur of the Chaldeans, and he's going to go to Canaan. But instead of getting to Canaan, he stops in a town called Haran. And Haran happens to be also the name of his son who died. We don't know much more about Terah and his story. All we know is he stopped there. And 
Haran is actually about halfway between Ur and the land of Canaan. So he got about halfway and he stopped. And it says he settled there. And then it says that he died when he was 205 years old and he, and he stayed there for the rest of his life. So we don't really know the details of the story, but we can kind of guess at what happened. It seems like that Terah felt a calling on his life to get out of the land of Ur, to go out to the land of Canaan. But instead of going all the way there, he stops in this town called Haran. And remember, Haran was the son that was killed. We don't know how he, how he died, but he died. And just maybe, Haran, the town of Haran, was named after Terah's son, Haran. Maybe he named that town after his son. Or maybe when he got to Haran, it just reminded him of his son. And maybe that he was just overcome with grief. And maybe he was just dealing with so much pain in his life that he just couldn't go any further. And he just decided to settle there. We really don't know why, but it seems like God had a calling on Terah too, but he didn't follow through with it. He didn't fulfill it. And so that's the end of Genesis 11. It goes into Genesis chapter 12, and God speaks to Abram. And he says, Abram, this is your time. I want you to go out from your family. I want you to leave the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. I want you to go into this land that I will show you. It's the land of Canaan. And that is the beginning of how Abraham became the father of our faith. I don't know about you, but I want to be an Abraham. I don't want to be a Terah. Terah, just this little bit is written of him. When Abraham ends up being one of the heroes of our faith, he ends up being in the hall of faith, which is Hebrews 11. By faith, Abram left his family, left his land to go out and to do what God had called him to do. That's the kind of man that I want to be. Is that the kind of person that you want to be? But sometimes life is painful. Sometimes we have a hard time going on with the dreams that God has put in our hearts because of the pain that we've been dealing with in the past. And maybe Tara was just so hurt that he couldn't go on. And I think that happens to us sometimes. We get so hurt. Sometimes we get hurt by parents. Sometimes we get hurt by an authority figure in our life. Maybe it's a best friend and somebody that we really, really loved and really invested our lives in, and they stab us in the back. Maybe it's a tragedy that happens in our lives where we lose a loved one or um, we're, we go through a very traumatic accident and something bad happens. We get injured. We get made fun of. We get bullied. Life can be painful, can it? And I wonder if Tara was dealing with these questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a question that we think about a lot, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, <clears throat> the short answer is that we live in a broken world. But then you might come with another question that says, yeah, but why does God intervene in some people's lives? Why does God save some people from a really, maybe why does God heal somebody? 
heal somebody? Or why does God intervene and save them from death and he lets other people die? Why didn't God intervene with these other people that have had, we, we all know good people that have had tragic things happen in their lives. Why would God do that? I don't know the answer to all these questions. I know that he is God and I'm not. I know that he is good no matter what. I know that he looks at death differently than we do and he looks at pain differently than we do because he looks at the eternal and we are so focused on the temporary. And I know that those people that have died and and gone to be with him, they receive a great reward when they see him face to face, face to face, and all their their pain is gone in his presence. I know that he is all-knowing and all-powerful, and I'm not. I know that he has all the answers, and I don't. So all all we can do is we can trust him. Bad things are going to happen to good people because of the world that we live in, but We've got to move on. We've got to move past it. We can't get halfway and just settle there because tragic things have happened, because hurtful things have happened. We've got to allow God to come in and to heal our hearts, all those dark places that we don't open up to people, all those places that we don't even like to talk about, we don't even like to think about. We have to let God into all of those spaces so that he can heal those places and so that we can move on. When God heals you, you can move on, and you are free to do what God has called you to do. You're not going to have much success driving a car and looking behind you. That's not going to end well, but that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to move forward with our story with what God has called us to do. But if we're looking behind us, we're going to crash. It's not even wise to drive a car and constantly be looking in the rearview mirror. Have you ever been like looking at the rearview mirror while you're driving forward and you're like so focused that you're looking at somebody behind you and look at what they're doing and finally you look in front of you and the car that was going is now stopped and you're like, oh, and you hit the brakes. Has that ever happened to you? Did anybody actually run into somebody because you were doing that? <laughs> um, it's not wise. It's not wise to look in the past when we're trying to go onward. And God has called you onward. You have an incredible story. You have a story where you're going to come fully alive. You're going to be so fulfilled by being used by God, so satisfied that it's gonna be like, man, the world has nothing that can compete with this. But what you've gotta do is you've, you've gotta get going. See, because you're not gonna have much success looking in the past, but you're also not gonna have much success if you're trying to drive your car and your car is just standing still. You can't steer a car that's just stopped. You gotta put the gas on. And you gotta get some momentum. You've gotta get started. You've gotta get going. How many have, a, how many have a, a lot of things that God has put in your heart, but you have a kind of a tough time getting started or knowing where to start? Okay, you've just got to get going. It's not as complicated as it sounds. Just get going, and from there, you can steer. 
We've got to get going. We've got to, we've got to start. And it's not as complicated as we make it. Sometimes we're looking for that perfect opportunity. We're looking for, uh, if we have a dream, then we want to step right into that dream. And we don't really like those days of small beginnings. But we got to start somewhere. We just got to hit the gas. And if God has called you to, to do something in ministry, and I believe we're all called to be ministers, whether it's a full-time vocational thing or not, if we're believers, then we're supposed to be ministers because that's what the Scripture says. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're called to reconcile people back to God. And so if, if God has putting something in your heart, a way that you can minister to people. Maybe it's, it's reaching inner city kids. Maybe it's doing something for kids that are battling cancer and other diseases. Maybe you have a heart for people that are coming out of a life of human trafficking. Maybe you have a heart for people who are just dealing with poverty and need food. Or maybe you have a heart for people that are overseas that are hungry and thirsty. Whatever it is, just start somewhere. Don't like, okay, one day I'll get overseas and then I'll get to do it. Start where you're at. Start somewhere, get the vehicle going, and you can steer from there. But it's not about temporary accomplishments for us. What we're looking for is eternal accomplishments. We're looking, we need to look, our, look at our, our story and our world through God's lenses, because God looks at the eternal. We tend to look at and focus on the temporary, but we've got to get out of that mindset, or else we're not going to have the story that God wants us to live. I want my life to make a difference to eternity. I, don't, I, I know that I can't take my cars with me to heaven. I can't take my house with me, my clothes with me. I can't take a boat with me to heaven. You know what goes to heaven? People go to heaven. Souls go to heaven. And so if you're wondering what your calling is, what, 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 what has God called your story to be like, it's probably going to have a lot to do with people. You're supposed to make an impact on people. You're supposed to love God first and love people second. That's what Jesus says the greatest commandments were. Love God and love people. And so... God, renew our minds. Lord, I pray right now that you would renew our minds. Help us to not be so fixated on the temporary and forget about the eternal, to forget about what it's going to be like when we see you face to face. Amen. We, I think we need to repent of being so earthly-minded, so so focused on the temporary. We've got to repent of this. Because I think when we get to heaven, we're going to look back and be like, what did I do with that short little time that I had? What was my story? The book of James says that our life is just a vapor. It's so quick. I want my life to make a difference for eternity. And I believe that's what you want to. I believe that you, can, you have a calling on your life to make a huge impact in people, showing people the love of God. D.L. Moody said something. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, 
but of like succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. God has called you to an extraordinary story. You know what the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is? It's just that little bit extra. I want to challenge you, and I want you to pray about what are the little extras that you can do to make your story great. Pray about this. Think about this. What can you do that's just a little bit extra? Is there an extra way that you can serve? Because Jesus said, if your neighbor wants you to go one mile with him, then go an extra mile with him. He said, if your neighbor is asking for your jacket, give him your jacket and give him your shirt as well. What are ways that we can go just a little bit extra? What are some ways that we can love people just a little bit extra? Or serve just a little bit extra? How can we be just a little bit extra generous? How can we be just a little extra encouraging? A little extra understanding? How can we be um, a little extra complimentary to people? How can we be just a little bit extra considerate of people? Think about that. Because I believe God has called us to do extra. I want to ask the band to come up. I'm excited to end this this series because we're going to be going on to a new series in next week. Next week is the start of May. And we're going to be going into a series that really, it does just go back to back with this series. It's just kind of a continuation and it's called Field of Dreams. And I'm really, really excited about this. It's been on my heart for months and months to do this series. But it, it kind of goes into how we continue on our adventure that God has called us to. How we continue on our story. And how we can be led by the Holy Spirit as we go. But <clears throat> before we get there, your story is important. Your story is significant. Your story matters. Your life matters. And if we have been like that rich young ruler that Jesus talked to, remember that story, that rich young ruler that he came to Jesus and he goes, what, what do I need to do to have eternal life? See, because we want to get to heaven. We all want to get to heaven. But Jesus, he's like, there's more. There's more. There's more than just being saved. You're saved, but you're also called. It's more than just going to heaven. So he tells this rich young ruler, he goes, well, you need to keep the commandments. And he goes, I got this. I've, I've been keeping these commandments ever since I was a young guy. And he goes, okay, there's just one thing that you lack. There's this one thing that had that rich young ruler's heart. And it was money. It's such a temporary thing. But our lives, we can be focused on money. We can think about it way too much, can't we? And so he says, go in and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. And the story says that that rich young ruler, he walked away from Jesus sad because he had so many possessions. Those possessions had him. They owned him. He didn't own those possessions. They owned him. That's what his life was all about. And instead of following Jesus, 
He just walks away with his head down. I can't do it. And we, we see his story and we're like, come on, dude, what's your problem? But, but we do the same thing so often. What is, what is that one thing that God is showing you in your life? That one thing that you need to lay down so that you can go on. And it could be the pain from your past, like Tara experienced, the pain of losing his son. He was supposed to go on to the land of Canaan, but he stopped halfway. Are you stopping halfway? Is there any area of your life or your story where God has called you onward, but you have stopped halfway and you have settled? If so, all it takes is getting back on track. All it takes is getting up and going onward. And you don't have to do it on your own. You do it with God's help. God's grace. So what is that one thing that God has been showing you to lay down? What is that one thing that he's been calling you to do, that thing that you've been scared of? It's a good thing sometimes. You know, that rich young ruler, it was going to be a good thing for him. Jesus wasn't trying to make him miserable. He was trying to show him, I've got something better for you. God has something better for you. What What ways is he calling you to lay your life down? Jesus said, whoever's trying to save his life is going to end up losing it. But whoever loses his life for me is going to find it. I know you guys. I've talked to you guys. You guys are looking for your life. You guys want to find the life that you were meant to live. And here's how you can find it, by laying it down. By giving yourself away, by taking up a cross and following Jesus. I want to do something different tonight. I want to ask all of you guys to stand up. And I feel uh, I feel like we should do something different. I want to ask all of you guys to squeeze in down front. Everybody to come down front here. And what we're gonna do is we're going to pray over each other. We're going to pray over each other's stories, and each other's future, and the plans and the purposes that God has for each other. So put your hand on somebody's arm or, or grab hands with them, grab a shoulder, whatever it is. And I know this is a little bit different, but let's just begin to pray. And I know many of you aren't used to praying like out loud all at the same time. It's a little different, but let's do that tonight. Let's begin to pray out loud all at the same time. Just pray for the person on your right and on your left. And they're praying for you, but this is not a time to pray for yourself. We're lifting up the stories of the other people that are next to you. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this incredible room of people, this, these people full of potential, full of your spirit. God, I thank you for all the people that are going to be impacted by the people in this room, for all the souls that are going to go into heaven, for all the souls that are going to be encouraged, all the souls that are going to be helped because of these people, because you have a calling on our lives. And Lord, we accept your calling. We accept the calling you're asking of us. Lord, we, we take it up. 
we take up your cross. And Lord, is, is there that one thing that you're calling us to lay down? Is, that, is there that one thing that we need to start doing? Something that intimidates us. Show us what it is. Show that person on our right. Show that person on our left. Show us, Lord, what we need to do to go onward, to go forward, to be healed from the pain in the past. I want you to pray over that person next to you. Just pray that they would be healed, that God would heal their hearts from the pain that they've experienced. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean you're a mess up. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are free, you are free, you are free. Not because of your works, but because of Jesus. Because of his blood. I thank you for healing scars, for healing hearts, for renewing minds, Lord. Do a new thing. Do a new thing. And I thank you for each and every one of our stories. May they glorify you. May they lift you up. May they reflect you in every way that, so that when the world sees our lives and when they read our story, they will give you glory. And they'll say, that's a God I want to follow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.